welcome to the Betsy Boss Podcast. Welcome back. Today is March 17th, 2020, and it is St. Patty's Day, but it's also Campfire Girls, now Campfire, um, 110th birthday. So happy birthday to Campfire. That's also going to be our topic of the day. But um, before we get into Campfire, I thought we should talk maybe a little bit about our own camping and summer camp experiences because, my gosh, there's just a lot to unpack there. I mean, did your family ever go camping? We were not a camping family, never went camping. My siblings and I always wanted to, though. So one summer, we, I don't know, one of us saved up our allowance or whatever and convinced our parents to take us probably to Sports Authority or something and buy a camping tent. And We put it up in our backyard. Meanwhile, it's like midsummer, you know, 80, 90 degrees out. We nice. go, but we were determined to go out there in that in that tent and set it up. It got disgusting. Mm, rustic Left it out there. Yeah, it, it was all the smells of the outdoors that you can imagine. Yeah, and the indoors inside oh. the tent. It really just has a way of sealing in all the juices, doesn't it? Oh, but the funniest thing though was that. Don't know where or why this was a thing, but my brother um, got from Kohl's. I remember this vividly because it was Ooh. so weird. It was an old camp style because it had a flashlight on top, black and white TV that Ooh. from back in the day when you could still have like antennas on your TV to actually get reception. And you were essentially able to take it with you camping and watch TV on this little like five inch screen while you were out in your tent so all three of us were out there in the middle of summer in this boiling hot tent watching this like five inch screen tv just because we really wanted to we wanted to be able to do the whole camping thing oh my gosh well there was really something to that i mean we had a tent and our family never went camping no never i mean forget it the first time i went camping i think i was about 25 years old (laughs) so and that was an experience uh, in and of itself never go back we'll go back no yeah Yeah, oh my gosh (laughs) never will go over here so yeah my obsessive compulsive showering pretty much shot that horse in the face but um we had a tent I remember it was like a teepee style tent in the house and that was kind of all the rage I mean Native Americans were big I don't know if you felt the way I did but I saw Pocahontas about six times in theaters I was Pocahontas six or sixth grade when I was six six years old in kindergarten for that was the only year we got to do an actual um Halloween parade at school in elementary school I was Pocahontas. Same, buddy. Yeah. I mean, I think that was who I was uh, in kindergarten. Yeah, it was definitely my birthday theme. Oh, it was so popular. Yeah. I, I think it was my birthday theme as well because <laughs> it was that summer. I'm sure it came yeah. out in the summer I, I of think like, you're totally. Yeah, I bet you're right. I bet you're yeah. right. And um, my God, what a great movie. Oh. And we were all about Native Americans. So I always remember, though, in preschool, we had for um, Thanksgiving, you were kind of assigned either to be a pilgrim oh, or a Native nice. American. And pilgrims, it was like, oh, you make these little paper pilgrims hat- hats out of um, craft paper. Aww. But then if you were a Native American, it was the cool thing because what you did was you took, I don't know if you did this or if this is a common thing. It sounds great. You took a grocery bag, like a paper grocery bag. Um, and you cut it out to make it like a vest. So you cut oh. out the top, like open it and turn it upside down. So the mm-hmm. bottom is where your head goes and you cut out a little like space at the top and then you cut it down the middle 
and then you cut out armholes on the side so you essentially wear the little little like skin vest and then I loved it because at the bottom you would cut it like the, li- the little fringe oh, how type of thing. And no, I, I didn't oh. put a bag over my head till I was in my twenties. So <laughs> still doing it now. Yeah, I would put a bag over my body too and double bag it if I could. Oh, but there's no bag nice. big enough besides the body bag. Oh God, yeah, yeah. They don't make trash bags big enough for this one here. No, me, me neither, pal. <laughs> um, but no, I, I mean we were all obsessed with Native Americans. They were yeah. all the rage, and there was definitely something. About about the Native American spirit that was like hearkening back to something sort of old world and something, um, you know, fresh about the- and Yeah, there was like a whole um, spiritual element to those those beliefs and hearkening back. And I remember we used to dig outside for Indian clay. Did oh, you God. guys do that? Oh, yeah. Not not that we had any of that type of... Oh, I'm sure we did. Like, here. it was just dirt, you yeah. know? But, my God, we would spend hours, like, digging for Indian clay, which oh. I don't think we would know it if we saw it because it wasn't real. Well, it was we... probably poop. We had a, a funny thing. My mom actually hated, when, again, back in preschool... She still remembers it to this day, this place called the Sweet Valley Nature Center. And Ooh. it was like they you'd go and you'd learn some like Native American history type of things. And then you'd also learn. I remember the one thing was they tapped all the trees to make maple syrup. Like That's they put so the little. Cool. Oh, my mom hated it though because she went with all of us and went so many times. She was sick of it. Ugh. And so we learned about the. I forget what Native American tribe was in our area, um, but you learned about them. You got to taste the maple syrup. Meanwhile, it was disgusting because it was unsweetened. It was oh, just kind of sure. like a sap type of thing. And probably just the sugar makes it taste good. Yeah, that's, that's the only thing. Yeah, like exactly. Like, otherwise, you're just sucking on a tree. Ugh, yeah, I've tasted unsweetened syrup, and I do not like it. So. No. Yeah, it but it, it's just funny because my mom still harps on that today. Like, oh, my God, this whole experience here. Um, but what's interesting about kind of the Native American spirit and wanting to um, be outdoors and live in a teepee and all that stuff, Pocahontas, um, that's nothing new. That was not new in the late 90s no. when we were coming up. That actually came about in the late 1800s. I was going to say, talk about the 1890s. <laughs> yeah, let's look at that. Um, and I think that a lot of the time it was thought that industrialization was sort of what spurred the Look at you. You're all to... you're all about the myth of the West. Hey, exactly. The myth of the last frontier. Yeah, the final frontier. Yeah. Um it wasn't space like they thought in Star Wars, but um That's the last actual frontier there. Exactly. But I guess the whole theory behind camps and summer camps and camping was that there was this industrialization in the late 1800s where both these native-born transplants and these immigrants were moving to these crowded northeastern cities like this one, Philadelphia. Of course. And all of these folks, these moral reformers, these educators, started freaking out because they thought that kids were going to be missing out on the character building, great outdoors, health promotion that they would get in the rural life and the rural activities that they used to have it was kind of during this time period that america kind of got much more settled and looks a lot more like it not exactly obviously like it does today but more civilized in quotations there um like it does today and so there was no longer this frontier out west for these boys to conquer and 
the theory was that this was what all these other generations before them have done to actually make themselves into the men they are today. And if we mm-hmm. don't have this access to these character building um, kind of primitive man, uh, you know, instincts that you have to act out and work out, how are these boys going to actually become functioning men of society tomorrow? Right. And it's funny because as much as camps are sort of out in these bucolic locations they're sort of in a less populated area they would find sort of woodsy locations for them it's still just a manufactured wilderness it's It's not a real wilderness um so you have these kids sort of living in native american decor they're white kids yeah um but basically, all these educators were sort of embracing these camps as a new social institution. And especially, like you said, with young boys, um, there was sort of this concern that urbanization was coddling them, feminizing them right. in the home with their moms, you know, being too overbearing and in the schools with their female teachers. A lot of people thought that these young boys needed to be a little bit savage so that they wouldn't become little wussies. The compromise though with it was that this was kind of the best of both worlds Miley Cyrus because (laughs) uh, they could embrace their inner savage but then kind of at the end of the day they could go home and be these civilized boys so they're still getting to act out those inner urges that their forefathers got to do to kind of build character and you know teach those skills that you can't learn anywhere else but then at the end of the day they weren't savage Um, they weren't these lesser uh, people that they you know looked down upon but yet they were able to tap into that through this kind of play yeah and what was funny too that I never really thought of because I often think of camps as sort of a rich kids luxury right but there was this whole thought pattern with European immigrants that these European children of these immigrants would just spend their lives and their summers crowded into these tenement slums. Um, And without camp, they would just sort of spend the summer walking the streets and immerse in the same immigrant culture instead of being encouraged to learn the virtues of American citizenship. So it was thought that you could sort of wrangle up these kids, send them out to these beautiful um more wilderness type locations and they would learn how to be not just savage but they would sort of um, embrace american ideals yeah and become patriots well it, it was interesting too um you see a real spike during this time of um creating these national parks because there's almost like this panic that oh my god we've we've conquered all this land and we don't have any of this untouched wilderness um to actually experience these types of things it anymore so we have to create again it's a manufactured kind of situation but we have to protect these untouched areas right um so you know boys weren't the only ones who had the luxury of going to camp it was actually during world war one that americans really embraced the idea that these young girls should probably learn cooking sewing and other sort of motherhood preparations Um, And it was thought that these young girls should probably resist the temptations of becoming sort of the new woman, um, this like short skirt wearing, smoking, um, sexuality embracing woman. 
Um, and even though these camps sort of upheld the traditional feminine ideals with the sewing, cooking, cleaning, whatever, um, the camps also provided girls with a chance to be sort of independent for the whole summer. Um, they could get away from their parents. They had the extended camp period um, out in the woods or what have you. And um, it was a great opportunity. Although I will say I, I found a really I, I love digging into these primary sources take you back to a third grade term there oh yeah Um, primary versus secondary um i did find a handbook from our topic the campfire girls which we'll get into how that started but i found a handbook from 1924 and it's really interesting because it emphasizes a lot of the things you're talking about where they want girls to get out experience the world but then at the same time there's this whole cult of domesticity influence there where it's mm. just like, I, I want to find the one quote. There was a quote in there that was like, they call them campfire girls and not to get ahead of ourselves. But the whole fire represents essentially the like source of life and the source of the home. Because Whoa. without a fire, you couldn't have a homestead. And it's really crazy because it is. It's kind of this, well, we don't have something for girls like we do for boys but at the same time they're also kind of reinforcing those gender stereotypes um so if we get into the actual campfire girls which is our topic of the day and um today's 110th years young birthday um it actually originated from this complex history of scouting in america um like we talked about a little bit and the first sort of similar organization was the Woodcraft Indians. And that was an orga- organization established for boys in 1902. Um, Sons of Daniel Boone was sort of a similar situation. The themes varied, but both of them were really big influencers of the Boy Scouts, which came about in 1910. Um, and then we had the Campfire Girls evolving um, from just this one single camp in New England that same year. Um, so Campfire Girls was actually founded by this man, Dr. Luther Housie Gulick, and his wife, Charlotte Vetter Gulick. They thought that girls needed the outdoor learning experience that boys had um, through all these different camps and these different opportunities. And they wanted to help young people discover themselves. And they thought that going outside and learning these outdoors type skills was all part of that. Um, and Luther actually was a youth reformer in his day. Charlotte was interested in child psychology. She actually authored a bunch of books and articles on hygiene, of all things. Um, and she had talked to the guy who ran the Woodcraft Indians, and she decided to use the same Indian narrative as a camp theme. Of course. <laughs> which obviously, you yeah, know, stuck and held on true. Them. Yeah, just like any fat of its time. Oh, yeah. And every camp that I've ever heard of, sleepaway camp, whatever, I went to sleepaway camp. All of them that I knew of had Native American names. Oh, well, I, I have I have uh, something to say on that later on, actually. Oh, girl. Yep. Um, but her camp that she created was called Wohilo, <laughs> this, <It> was, was, <laughs> which was hysterical. Oh, it was God. meant to be an Indian-sounding yeah. word that was sort of a, um acronym for work, health, love. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> and this sort of followed the same model as Woodcraft, the Indians. Oh. So it was focused on studying nature and having fun outside. And a year later, this social worker friend of the Gulicks established another camp in Vermont, and he was the one who coined the term Campfire Girls. 
Yeah, and so then in 1912 here, we t- we have these two kind of uh, camps, both up there in New England, kind of coming together. And then in March, actually March 17th ah, of yeah. 1912, we have the Campfire Girls of America being incorporated in Washington, D.C. Beautiful. Yes. So what timing? What timing is right. And by the summer of 1914, it looks like there were already about seven to 8,000 girls involved. Um, and just jumping forward as a quick vignette, 15 years later, there were nearly 220,000 girls wow. meeting in 9,000 local groups. So you can see how quickly this caught on. Obviously, it was a really popular idea. People were very into the Native American thing, just like you and I were back in kindergarten. Yeah, Pocahontas, um, I mean. Pocahontas, yeah, man. It has its hold. Oh, it really does. My God. Well, it's so funny. So my camp experience was nothing like what this sounded like. I mean, obviously, you still had the manufactured wilderness back yeah. then. Um, but it seems like there was much more of an emphasis on being outside and really immersing yourself in the outdoors. My camp was borderline a resort. I mean, <laughs> I don't even want to know what my Talk parents about paid glamping. to send my ass there. Yeah, it was glamping to the extreme. It was a lot of very rich kids. We had the heiress of a very um, popular tea company, which is oh ironic God. because we're here to spill the liberty. <laughs> You're right. Um, but we just had these crazy rich kids with too yeah. much money um, running around. It was a beautiful place. I mean, I loved canoeing, kayaking. Um, doing all the fun outdoor stuff, arts and crafts. But how crazy is it? It's still, even though it's obviously much more glamorized or, or, you know, updated nowadays, it's still kind of like, we want our kids to have this experience similar to what we're talking about today. Yeah, and it's interesting how these sort of different marginalized groups, even those groups upheld the same ideals that this camp was sort of a right yeah. Um, and that, you know, it was this special rite of passage every kid had to go through in order to be a fully formed human. Um, in fact, these subjugated groups like black people, Jewish people, even um, certain sects of Christianity and socialists um, started establishing their own summer camps to promote solidarity within the race, religion, um, social order, whatever. Um, and it was so funny. It was so important to America as a whole in the 1930s um, that children go to camp that some of the New Deal money was actually used to pay for kids to go to camp, oh even though God. the Depression was raging on. Yeah, let's send them to camp. Well, this actually just reminded me, too, obviously, even though I didn't go to sleepaway camp, did you ever watch uh, Bug Juice? Oh, of course. Camp Waziata. Camp Waziata. <laughs> oh, but it is. It's so crazy. It's just like it is kind of this rite of passage and you have campers that come back year after year. And I know I went to school with kids that went to Takwa. Yep. Very uh, popular. Yeah, I loved it. And it was year after year coming back and experiencing. It obviously wasn't. There's still the Native American um, emphasis, but wasn't as much as we're going to see in the uh, Campfire Girls, but it still is just this crazy, weird kind of wilderness, you know, wealthy kids getting out there in nature type of feel. Big time. And what actually inspired me to go to camp was a little movie called The Parent Trap, oh. which I don't know what it was about those <laughs> damn twins that captured oh. my imagination, but I was so enamored with that hideous cabin. I mean, I was 10 years oh. old when I went to camp. It was 
I mean, they put you in this bunk that's like pretty much a shithole. It's a fortune to stay there. They were all painted pink. Um, but it was like pretty shitty. There were a lot of dead bugs around. I Ooh. loved that place. I was so jade up to be there. Couldn't even contain myself, probably because of that <laughs> fucked up movie. Oh, you just wanted to eat the Oreos with peanut butter. Oh, shit. You know I did, girl. <laughs> I've eaten an Oreo with peanut butter in my day. Actually, eat one too many. It. I think that's clear. <laughs> I just wanted to meet my British twin, yeah, but she find wasn't that there. Up picture. Yeah, right? That's what I'm saying. So, I don't know. I'm probably going to be a little critical here of the Campfire Girls, but it was interesting going on their website. to That was my starting point for looking up their history. Mm-hmm. And they start out in 1910, like we said, and they give kind of that whole background. And then there is nothing. They jump all the way to 1973. Let's mm-hmm. just gloss over all of that cultural appropriation and, you know, kind of driving home that domestic narrative there. Oh, yeah. Um. But I will say, at least based on kind of what they've shown since then, they've been a very progressive and inclusive organization. Um, In 1973, they actually changed their name to the Campfire Girls and Boys because they made their organization co-ed. Whereas, I don't know, what was this, like two years ago maybe, that the Boy Scouts were, it was such an upheaval with them kind of wanting, well, not wanting to admit girls into their mm-hmm. organization. Yeah, it's ironic, isn't it? Well, and these, these this organization was so far ahead of its time. Um, and then I know they have also in the 1990s, I want to say like 1970, or 1993, um, they included in their inclusion policy um, the whole idea that sexual orientation wouldn't limit your membership in the organization. I was shocked by that. Yeah, 1993. In 1993. I mean, how great. It's crazy. They and were ahead of it. Yeah. I mean, I didn't even really know that at that time people were embracing the idea that as a child you would know. Not at all. You know, what sexuality you were, what your sexual preference was. And be was. open enough to... I don't know, I have to put it in writing that, yes. like, you know, because that's that's still a thing now. It's a very big thing now. Yeah, and they were saying, I mean, as part of their sort of mission statement, they were saying they wanted to explicitly add that because they didn't want there to be any question as to whether people of a different sexual orientation or um, what have you were welcome or not. I mean, they wanted it spelled out in black and white yeah. in their policy. Which is a big deal. It really is. I mean, I I definitely commend them for, with their kind of rocky start in history. But not that I think it's good to gloss over kind of their history there, but I do kind of understand why they want to put the emphasis on the good things they've done way ahead of their time um, and not focus so much on the early 20th century things that kind of you know they didn't they didn't get right yeah Yeah. I mean all in all and where we are now campfire which is what it's known to be now it's not campfire girls anymore campfire boys and girls it's just campfire organization yeah yeah but they were the first multiracial multicultural non-sectarian organization for girls at the time and now for all different youth right um and i mean they have 54 different chapters and councils across the country and they're still teaching the same life skills that they think children need to succeed and thrive yeah i mean currently they're still the largest co-educational non-sectarian camp provider which i think is crazy like yeah still yeah still today i i haven't heard of them i hadn't heard of them at all um the first time i heard about them was when taking a course and kind of learning about this whole 
Native American myth and how it's influenced, um, you know, American history. But I'd never heard of them before that. Right. Do you want to talk about absolutely incredible <laughs> AIKD? <laughs> so stupid. Like, let's give kids an even bigger head. Yeah, let's write like the little shit about how we love how great them. Great, they are. <laughs> they got full out '90s on this because I just I don't know. I feel like these were '90s things that our parents, every parent, where we really started to get into that helicopter parent oh, culture. Oh, big time, and the entitlement yeah, of our generation. Where it's just like your kids are the best thing ever. Well. The Campfire Girls, or Camp, I think they were Campfire at that time. I think maybe, so, too. Um, totally embraced this with our favorite holiday, AIKD, better known as Absolutely Incredible Kid Day. <laughs> what a name. What a name. <laughs> so if your kid isn't enough of a little shit already, just puff up his head a little bit more. Make sure they know they're just God's gift to man. <laughs> <laughs> By writing them a note, a letter, an email, or a text. Or how about a post on social media? Because your friends already can't get enough of your little shit oh being posted God. constantly every waking hour That's of the day. Right. And this started in good old 97 but it takes place every year on the third thursday of march it's actually on um the 19th this year so it's two days after this episode comes out don't you worry we're gonna be posting our parents letters to us on that day on our instagram (laughs) don't forget (laughs) write your kid a letter send them a text (laughs) tell them how special they are or an email on the world wide web (laughs) jimmy when you shat yourself at school it wasn't that smelly because you're an absolutely incredible kid it gave you a chance to get up in front of the class (laughs) you got a participation ribbon jonah good job you participated oh my god trophy number one son oh we also have another 80s 80s i could just see like an educational video of the 80s called teens in action loved 1988 and it was a program that inspired teens to get out in their community and perform a certain amount of community service so again i just feel like this is an after school special right here teens in action instead of smacking mailboxes (laughs) with a baseball bat go out and better your community this is your brain on drugs this is your brain on teens in action (laughs) take action to better your community (laughs) instead of putting dog shit on the neighbor's porch (laughs) instead of getting action in the back seat of your dad's car Take action to clean up some <laughs> national parks in your area. What kind of heavy petting are you into? <laughs> I like heavily petting a kitty cat at the local animal that. shelter. <laughs> There's a friendly puppy dog who could also need some teen care. Teens in action. Teens in action. Sign up at your local YMCA. <laughs> <laughs> Well, what's interesting is, I mean, over all these um, years of development um, of the Campfire Girls, the Boy Scouts, like you said earlier, have come under fire for just bans on gay scouts and scout yeah. leaders. They've had a lot of yeah issues. Yeah, they were sort of urged to by a lot of different people, including Obama, to revise their policies on discrimination. Um, they also had a pretty serious position that atheists and agnostics can't participate. Oh, really? Um, yeah, scouts well, are scout yeah, leaders. Because they're, yeah, very religiously associated. Totally to religiously affiliated. Right. Um, and I think something like 70% of the Boy Scouts chapters were actually chartered to faith-based organizations. Yeah. So it makes a lot of sense. 
but by the same token, it was pretty revolutionary um, that the Campfire Girls, right from the jump, welcomed all girls, regardless of nationality, race, creed, or economic status. Um, and even now, I mean, I think they specifically spell out not just sexual orientation, but disability status, yeah, social they... status. I mean, there are really, there's a whole array that they have specifically included to try and really be inclusive of a myriad of different folks. Yeah, and like you said, it's it's you kind of see that dichotomy there with the Boy Scouts explicitly saying who can't join, whereas this organization wants to say who can join, and pretty much it's everyone. Like, they right. want to make it known and make it stated that, um, you know, everyone is welcome. Um, so in 2012, Campfire underwent a new rebranding, and the traditional flame logo changed to a more contemporary spark mark. And that's not to say light your friend Mark on fire. That's right. Yeah. Don't, uh, don't go sparking near him. Yeah. My God, they had just some of the craziest campaigns. So in 1960, it was their 50th anniversary, and they started this program called She Cares. Dot, dot, dot. Do you? <laughs> oh my gosh. So what do they care about? Uh, so pretty much during this whole project, don't know why they named it that. Um, they planted more than 2 million trees, built 13,000 birdhouses. Nice. And the birds were probably happier without yeah, the birdhouses yeah, and well, the trees. Oh, true. Yeah. Uh, I mean, she cared. Do you? No, I don't want her to care. Stop caring. Um, <laughs> don't care so much. But it was that kind of whole conservation-based um, celebration, I guess, for their 50th anniversary there. Uh, before we had good old Spark Mark, Mark Spark, <laughs> whatever he is, uh, here was the law of the campfire. Seek Ooh. beauty, give service, pursue knowledge. Seek booty? Seek booty. No, <laughs> seek beauty. Oh. Give service, pursue knowledge, be trustworthy, hold on to health. Ooh. Can't Hang say on that. with your dead frozen hands. I was just going to say, I don't know how much we're holding true to that today. Um, glorify work and be happy. Yikes. <laughs> yeah. You better be happy doing it because oh. we're paying all this money for you to go to camp. There's, so. a, there's a section here in here about be happy, but I was just like, ugh, can't even read about it. Um, <laughs> one thing I should have looked into more, at least in this handbook. So I, I'm reading from the handbook from 1924 for the Camp Fire Girls. They emphasized so much throughout it, and I really should have looked it up, these weird baby kits that they made. What? Don't know what it is, but they literally emphasized it throughout, making these, I don't know, it's clearly not like um, single mother, you know, um, shelters or anything like that. It's these weird baby kits. It's probably for mothers in the hospital giving birth or something, but they emphasized it throughout like wow i i don't know what and you think it was some form of service oh it was it was parts of badges that you could like win and oh my god it was just crazy um so at this time i'll just give you a little bit of kind of how these organizations how each campfire um was organized so each group is called a campfire there was one leader who had to be at least 18 years old, and they were the, the guardian of the campfire, Ooh. which reminds me of Legends Lord of the Flame. Of, oh, I'm thinking Legends of the Hidden Temple over oh, here. Oh, that too, style. buddy. Um, you know, the, what was it? The Temple Guards. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they freaked me out so badly. Um, so they, they are just, they are very specific and precise in this handbook. Uh, each campfire must have at least six members, but no more than 20. Oh. That's, that's enough. Cut it off. Yeah. And, and girls must must be at least um, 12 years of age to be eligible. 
Wow. And shockingly, mothers were really encouraged to be guardians. Even though, like, this is the big push for mothers to stay home. They're right. like, get out there, moms, and lead these girls. So it just kind of shows you, too, this kind of crossover between the morals they were pushing at the time and wanting mothers to be so heavily involved. Well, it's so funny. I mean, even these days, there's such a pressure on um, – I wonder if I can think of the name of it. Oh, at work. So there's a lot of these working women who work at my um, company – and they all have young children. Oh, God, And yeah. there's just immense pressure yeah. on these bitches to be Everything. pack moms, I think they call them, oh. for, like, the little scouts, yeah. the Cub Scouts. Yeah. And there is so much shit that they have to do. I mean, these moms have Ooh, to, like, put together activities. They have to figure out the badges. They have to do everything with these kids. And it's like, my God. I mean, I was shocked at how ornate it was. Yeah. So it's sort of a weird hearkening back to this time hasn't gone away it really hasn't yeah if anything it's just gotten harder now with you know women having to feel like they have to do it all be in the workforce be a, an a incredible employee and then um also be an incredible you know wife and mother it's just too much pressure oh yeah and also by the way be attractive be thin and oh yeah have great fashion yeah and... get enough sleep be happy oh yeah <laughs> you know obviously last of the campfire girl law there right be happy be happy or else Ugh. um so the campfire girls they had three ranks they had the <laughs> so i don't know where they come up with these the wood gatherer, the fire maker, and the torch bearer. Oh. Yeah. So each had its own special emblem. They used to call me the wood gatherer. Oh, well. Not for that reason. <laughs> <laughs> that would suck, though, if you're the wood gatherer and all your friends get promoted to the torch carrier or whatever. Yeah. Or even the fire maker. Even you're the like, fire maker. You're like, I brought all that shit. Why I brought are, all why that wood. to take yeah. the glory of making it something? And good luck for ma- making a fire without my wood. That's what I mean. Why do you get all the glory for, you know, making making something we could cook over and live by? Yeah, that shit was heavy. I made it happen. I brought this shit over here. <laughs> so something I, I do want to get into, kind of what we were talking about with the camp names, too. Each girl had a special name and symbol. Oh, dear. Yeah, which is problematic. Um, so meetings were held monthly and then we had the summer camps and they were to be held weekly. I will tell you though, when I was looking into we, what is it? We Hawking? No, we, we, Hilo, we, oh, Hilo? Wahilo or Wahilo, something. Yeah. Wahilo. They went away for two months at that point. That's a long ass That's time. That's a long time. That's how long I went to camp. Uh, really? It was a long ass time. Oh, I thought they were typically like two to four weeks. Yeah, yeah. So you could either go for the half session, which was four weeks, or the full wow. session, which was eight. Wow. And most campers went for eight. Oh my God, I had no idea. I know. So their different honors were, um, you know, kind of like we know the Girl Scout and Boy Scout badges today were actually different beads that they would get. Oh, here's here's the here's the quote that I wanted to say. Okay, so fire is the symbol of the organization. For around it, the first homes were built. Oh, yeah, harkening back mm-hmm. to that female figure in the home. Yeah, and then what do we do in the home? Well, everything the campfire girls do. Um. Oh. Okay. This is crazy. I I don't know. Some of these things are just like, are you serious? Um. So. What campfire girls do, and this was just kind of a list of some of them. Oh, my God. Campfire girls refrain from candy between meals, soda, or chewing gum. They save the money. 
Okay. Well, all right. What do they save it for? Oh, well, to donate for their um, their dues, mm. uh, any events they may want to go to, or any craft and supplies that they will need. Because trust me, they do a hell of a lot of crafts in this organization. <laughs> oh, well, I could never be a campfire girl if candy's not allowed. Because only between males. If candy yeah. is your meal, then you're fine. But here we go. Also on the. Um, the patriotic note there's a lot throughout this so campfire girls sing america dixie and the star-spangled banner oh well you've heard enough star-spangled banner in our trap remix at the beginning and end of every episode yeah i don't know if they'd be proud of that one or not yeah who's to say a little before their time yeah a little bit but their kids are gonna love it (laughs) (laughs) back to the future all right so I, I'm just going to give you a couple of to become a wood gatherer. Also, this Meanwhile, was... you don't even get to enter as a wood gatherer. You have to become a wood gatherer. Oh, yeah. Well, you you kind of enter as a wood gatherer. I mean, you, you enter. <laughs> to become a wood gatherer, yeah. you have to gather wood. Yeah. you Actually, I don't even know if you, now that you're saying that. You know um, what I mean? It seems a little unfair. Yeah. Yeah. They just kind of enter as an applicant and then they have six requirements to attain the rank of so they can't even gather wood before that, before making these six requirements. Oh my God, what do they do? Just like sit around with their dicks in their hands? Uh, pretty much. They just, you know, I don't even know, making those baby kits. Wow. Whatever the hell those are. Um, so they have to be, I will say, reading this between the different ranks, they are very strict too. In each of the ranks, they're like, if the girl hasn't attained this within the year, she's out. <gasps> and unless it's a very rare situation. If she can't attain wood gatherer within one year, if she can't become a torchbearer within one year of that, she's she's out. That's oh my it. gosh. Well, you know what's funny is, I mean, with all of this acceptance and diversification and all that, like, let's say that somebody's disabled. How are you supposed to gather wood? Right. I guess that's the rare circumstance. But should it really be but that to rare? Do if any you're any saying... of these things, like they do camping, hiking, you know, all these things. Yeah, a lot of stuff. Can they, can they walk 35 miles a week? No. No, not if you're in a wheelchair. Right. Good luck walking one step. Right. Oh. <laughs> Just not to be expected. I mean, you know, don't ask a fish to climb a tree. Oh, Yeah. It's crazy. So for the rank of fire maker, though, some of these crazy um, qualifications to mend a pair of stockings or a knitted garment, undergarment. And they keep emphasizing, do not eat between meals or chew gum. If you get fat, (laughs) you're out. Yeah. One of the tasks to um, attain a badge, one of the health badges. Starve yourself. Well, they didn't go that far, but they did say, write like a three-week menu (gasps) for somebody that would be overweight. Get right. out! Yeah, write a three-week menu for somebody that would be too thin, which I'll give them that one. I mean, oh, well, that helps. But uh, I just have a lot of questions because I don't think people really became obese in this country yeah. until maybe like the. And I'm gonna mince words here because I just read a book about this and I already forgot. That's but so interesting. Yeah, but I think it's it wasn't until like the 50s and 60s when they um, came up with the revised food pyramid that the country that really became fat. Ah. Meanwhile, somebody's gonna get back to me and be like, "That's not when yeah. it was, bitch." Well, let's hope. Let's have. Some, I hope we have. Re- yeah, call in listeners that you know. Call my cell phone. That's right. It's five four, five five <laughs> one two three four. <laughs> the Eight, classic six, seven five three zero oh, nine. nine. <laughs> yeah, here's the list. It's five 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 
I feel like five, five. every like I feel like every cartoon like Full House or whatever. Oh, like, totally. Or the Brady Bunch. It would be like, can I have your number? Sure. It's five 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 oh one two four. Like it was like all right. Obviously so before zip codes or not zip codes. Obviously before area codes. Though. R.I.P. That was great. I remember when that. Do you remember Me when too. that came? And everybody yeah. was like, how the fuck are we supposed to remember all this? shit? Yeah, because I had I remember part of our uh, kindergarten requirements were memorizing like your phone number your address your you know whatever and it, i think it came into effect right around or after that time and it was like oh my god i already memorized this i don't know what i'm gonna do right well you know what else was so messed up is um like upon the advent of cell phones they were teaching kids how to call 911, but they realized that on a cell phone you had to press send and so I remember oh they taught God. us a jingle no that was like nine one one press send. <laughs> like literally, I still oh remember it God, today because so these dumbass kids would probably be dialing nine one one, nothing right. happened, and they're like, uh, "Shit, what do I do?" Well, that's probably like with I don't know that when you change from the rotary phone to the oh totally, I never even thought of that nine one one press send. Right, like you little dipshits. Oh, like I it's not gonna work that. if you just press the button. Oh my God, that's so. Funny. Funny. In fact, I mean, even our modern day cell phones, like yeah, we still have to press. That. You still have to press something. You got to press the little green phone. Yeah. So there are seven hundred sixty-three items. Christ. Across all the badges. And at what point do you become like? Do you only become a fire torch bearer? A torch bearer when you've like done all seven hundred sixty-seven items? No, you have to do a certain amount in each category, and mm. so. Each of them are listed under certain categories, but in total, those are all your options. Criminy. I do want to just touch on the the names because we did. I did mention that. Um, yeah. So pretty much, <laughs> they give you a whole list of names to choose from. Oh my god! And they pretty much say that names and symbols are very important in the Native American culture. And they are tied to different things, um, you know, different experiences, different locations. Every girl in the campfire organization chooses her own name, and they also choose these names for camps. And they pretty much, I wish I could find this line, they pretty much just say, yeah, disregard, (laughs) like, why names are tied to certain things and are important. Here are some that some that are just kind of sound cool. Oh and, my and god! And would be really and they give you suggestions like they give you a whole list. I actually had that I think in the in my notes here. Um, look, a few musical Indian tribal names that might serve for bungalows, country seats, or boats. Oh my gosh! So, so in other like, words, they have no meaning whatsoever. Yeah, they just sound cool. Hollowing out the old canoe, right? Seriously, send me down the river. That's classic. Yeah. Well, I was just gonna ask like how much. You know, they go into how deep of a meaning all these different words have and how important the symbols are in Native American culture. But it's just like you wonder, and I think I would even wonder, like, as a girl, like, if I was back in this camp, like, mm, like, how real are these symbols? Like, and is this really connected? Like, does this really mean what I think it is? It's like those people who get tattoos in Chinese and it says, like, I hate Americans or, like, I just ate cat. Yeah, I'm dumb. Right? (laughs) I'm dumb. I have coronavirus. Um, But, yeah. So I, I think that wraps it up. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Betsy Boss Podcast. If you'd like to find us online, our Instagram and Facebook are at Betsy Boss Podcast. Our Twitter is at Betsy Boss Pod. 
Our website is BetsyBossPodcast.com. And if you'd like to email us, we are at BetsyBossPodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Thank you.